welcome to the On Texas Football Friday morning live stream. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton, Jerry Hamilton, and Eric Nolene, all of Inside Texas and On3. And guys, I mean, just what a whirlwind of a day yesterday. Don't even know how to put it into words, but I'm just going to hand it off to one of y'all right away and, and just let y'all get right into it. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, let's let's talk to Eric as we, Jerry and I talked ad nauseum about uh, the Colin Simmons commitment. Eric, publisher, InsideTexas.com. Your initial thoughts on Colin Simmons and what this commitment means uh, to the University of Texas. Uh, you know, my first thought is I'm glad it's over. That was uh, that was a fun one to cover, to say the least. And, and maybe not always fun, but it definitely kept us on our toes. Uh, brought me back to uh, some of those bigger recruitments we've had where Jerry and I are talking three or four times a day, making sure we have all, all our bases covered. But, you know, um, I, I think he said it best when uh, he, he was going for the best opportunity. And that's kind of what we were thinking what might happen. He made a pragmatic choice. Uh, as, as people tend to mature, they get older, they start going more with their head over their heart, what's best for them long term. Uh, I think Steve Sarkeesian did a very good job of relaying the importance of, of or the value of Texas long term. Uh, and I think they did enough to overcome some concerns over maybe um, whether or not Texas could develop them as well as LSU. Uh, you know, LSU's put a lot of guys in the NFL, but but a lot of those coaches that did that aren't there. And as we've said before, buildings don't develop players. Coaches do. PK actually has a pretty good track record. So I think in the, in the final hours, I think Sark did a very good job of relaying that and getting them across the line. Uh, but I do think that, you know, in June, uh, late June, when he took his official visit, I think Colin did uh, have a feeling that he's going to go to Texas. You, you know, we talk about this, and, and I'll bring in Jerry here now as well. Jerry, you were up in uh, uh, Duncanville yesterday. I got us uh, Colin Simmons on air <laughs> there for a little bit. Uh, I don't know if people have seen this, but he's got a hook. He's doing a double hook him in the live stream yesterday. Uh, it was kind of fun. Uh, what were your thoughts about it? And let me ask you this, Jerry. You've covered a lot of announcements like that, right, in your history covering recruiting. What what was this one like compared to some others? Give us some some thoughts on it. Well, it was what was interesting was my phone was buzzing the whole time because look, I mean, Steve Wiltfong took a pick away and didn't make a pick. Okay, I mean, <laughs> and look, nobody was confident enough to stick. I mean. Every reporter that was there was on their phone until Colin walked in. And even after he walked in, there was a lot of uncertainty there. Um, I, You know, look, Eric and I never backed off our picks. I mean, that's for sure. I, I think once Colin set the date, he knew he, he knew he was going. But that's when the press, pressure of the recruiting process really starts for these five-star, highly-ranked guys. Is Once you have a date out there, then the other colleges know, okay, we, we have a couple of swings left at this thing with not only Colin and the mom, uh, who was very uh, important there. But I thought the mom, we have the story in Inside Texas, she loves Sarkeesian. Yep. And that made a big difference here. Because, look, when, there's a circle of people that are part of a decision. But then when that table, everybody gets up from that table, there's normally a couple of people sitting on a couch really talking about it, right? People have opinions. But then it gets down to it. And that was Colin, his mom, and his little brother sitting there next to him. And now, his I, mom I, I wrote, hey, guys, I wrote this morning on Inside Texas, my opening column. I was talking about the roller coaster ride of recruiting, right? And, and compared it to that, the ups, the downs, the sideways, it was a hell of a ride at the end of the day for, for the Longhorns. We're going to talk more about Colin Simmons uh, and how he fits uh, this uh, 
That's that's pretty fun. Thanks for the reactions. Uh, there's no there's no question. I've got my my collar is messed up here. What am I doing here? Um, my my question my reactions yesterday to the live show probably told the story. Uh, it was uh, the end of a uh, topsy turvy recruitment, a roller coaster ride, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I want to say this as well. Uh, Eric's got about thirty minutes here with us. Jerry is uh, thankfully doing this from uh, he's he's got a, a friend's daughter is in the hospital with surgery so he's there with them uh today so we don't have much time we're going to take questions uh blake's going to take questions we're going to get to all of that but first before we do all of that i want to also bring in eric and talk a little bit about what he wrote today with some team news because i you know while we cover recruiting here and it is the lifeblood of any college football program it's also important to remember uh team stuff is big and this one's not going to surprise everybody, but the consistency of it may be starting to show through. Eric, the, you yeah. led your article off this morning on Inside Texas with one name, and we were talking uh, before we started this live stream. Jerry, Jerry's going incognito. Yeah. On this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, first they should go read it on Inside Texas. We've got a really good promo going for the next uh, day or so. But, um, yeah, you know, that led with uh, Alfred Collins and, uh, you know, what I, what I wrote after it was, of course, consume responsibly because we've heard it year in and year out. But, um, you know, the, the first, he was the first person mentioned, and this was not based on drill work or how he looked, but how he actually performed in the, in the team live period uh, and mainly versus the run. So if he's, if he's the first guy being mentioned in the run game, uh, that's a good sign. Normally you'd expect to hear about Byron Murphy or, or Tavondre Sweat. Byron was, of course, named second. But um, there's a lot of optimism that he's going to be drafted at this rate uh, relatively high. Now, you know, there's a reason Jerry's got his glasses on and that I say consume responsibly. The, the rug's been pulled out from under us before. But, uh, you know, there's he's, he does have different incentive structure this season with uh, the NFL draft and, the, you know, lucrative contract uh, potentially awaiting him. So uh, that's been a great motivator for a lot of players in the past. And, uh, you know, right now it looks like that's the case with Collins. But, uh, you know, let's let's see how week two goes. It wasn't just uh, it wasn't now. Now Jerry can remove the sunglasses because the rest of it will 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 make sure it is a. Uh, we always take we, Alfred Collins has been one of those guys where we hear good things and then something just never clicks. You're right, Eric. Consume responsibly. Uh, yeah. Let's go to the next stuff that you talked about. Byron Murphy, another name. He seems to be a consistent theme on this team in his effort. You agree with that? Oh, yeah. We always hear about Byron. I just, you know, I could pencil him in for the next update, too, probably. A.D. Mitchell is another guy that, you know, I didn't hear about him this time, but those guys I just hear about seemingly every single practice. Um, and Kelvin Banks, there's just really no point in even asking about Kelvin, uh, maybe a weekly check-in or something. But, uh, you know, for the most part, those guys are known quantities. Uh, you know, this part of the season or this part of August, we're trying to fact-find and see who might make uh, take the next step, um, who's surprising, uh, where the, the shakeups are, potentially are on the depth chart. You know, right now I think um, – all the all the competitions are pretty much going uh, according to how I, I figured they would, or many of us figured uh, before camp even started. So there's not a whole lot of intrigue going as far as competition, um, but we are hearing depth is improving. You know, you know the first team defense is processing a whole lot faster than before, uh, and a lot of the second team are starting process on a, on a first team level. Uh, I think the next one you want to talk about is probably uh, Buck Edge, Bobby, since uh, we get asked about that so often. Yep, and, and this is the one that that Eric is interesting to me. Uh, because we don't know, like like what we thought going into camp is Ethan Burke and uh, Ethan Burke and Justice Finkley were really vying for a starting spot opposite Baron Sorrell, right? So yeah, that yeah. was that was the, that was the thought process. However, we went out there and saw it. 
Ethan Burke ahead of Justice Finkley, clearly at that buck position. So we thought then, okay, great. Finkley could flip-flop between them and give both of them a rest when need be and still get relatively almost starter snaps, starter-level snaps, right? Mm -hmm. But, but you're, you're reporting now something that's very interesting. I think Texas fans are going to be uh, want to know, and that's there's been movement at, at that buck end behind uh, behind Ethan Burke that may be giving some solidity or solidifying them getting ready for guys at the edge position instead of just one or two, what they, what they went into with the preseason talk. Yeah. You know, I think Burke probably won that job in the spring. He still hasn't technically won it yet, but it's, it's, it's pretty much going to be his at this point. So Finkley's over there behind Baron Sorrell. Of course, Baron needs a backup. We've been wondering all, you know, for weeks, who's going to be his backup. Uh, poor guy didn't get a rest last year. He needs to, they need a, the one position they need to get more rest is, is uh, to Sorrell. So, uh, but that means uh, Colton Vostick is over there uh, behind um, Burke backing up his old teammate from Westlake high. So, you know, Colton Vostick's impressed people. Uh, there's, you know, there, sources have been brought, uh, high on both, but, you know, we're hearing a lot of people talking about Vostick being a potential NFL player. His body's going to continue to mature, uh, but, you know, he's probably going to end up jack long-term, but right now while he's still uh, waiting to put on the pounds, he's, he's doing a good enough job uh at, at buck to really it looks like he's going to play a, a quite a bit this season at, at this rate and then i think they're actually going to be five deep chris ross is uh kind of swinging back and forth between the two uh so I, I do think that you know they have depth we're just we're not sure about starter quality yet at buck um i think burke's raising his floor with each practice he's playing the run better which i think is most important we already know he's going to probably get to the quarterback uh a lot more than we've seen uh in the last two seasons from that position but, um, you know, Colton Vosick, we'll see. He, he adds a lot of elements that, uh, that Vosick does as well. They both play with – they've got good length. Um, they, they can use leverage, uh, and they play uh, extremely hard, which, you know, at that position, playing hard uh, could take you a long way. Hey, Eric, in that vein, I want to bring in this question real quick. Uh, uh, Russell Hinkle asks, do you all think Ethan Burke may be even better than what is being seen in practice so far considering he goes up against guys like Kelvin Banks and Cam Williams? Yeah, I've written that quite a few times. You know, I think that's very likely. You know, you're trying to parse zero sum when their teammates are going against each other. We know that Texas has really good tackles. So if he can hold his own against Christian Jones, you know, there's plenty of good tackles in the in the Big 12, surprisingly. Uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a down year at offensive tackle. Um, but if he can hold his own versus uh, Christian Jones, sure, certainly that's going to provide the staff with a good measuring stick of how uh, what their expectations should be for this season. Uh, and also, it's going to make him a, him a better player overall, particularly against his his weakness, which is uh, which is playing the run. Both of those offensive tackles are are tough to tough to contain in the run game. All right, got it. All right, uh, talking with Eric Nalene, publisher InsideTexas.com. I'm Bobby Burton, joined alongside uh, Blake Monroe as well. Uh, big day yesterday for the Longhorns, adding Colin Simmons uh, to the list. Uh, also, uh, you know, we've got football practice news. Eric mentioned. We have a special going on right now, $1 for one month on InsideTexas.com. Uh, if you're not involved right now at Inside Texas, you should be. The community is terrific. Uh, news happening each and every day, uh, multiple times a day. Uh, this is a new program for us that we're starting here. It's called On Texas Football Today, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, we hope uh, each and every Monday through Friday. Uh, it should be fun. This does not take away any of the other programs that you guys have gotten used to, but we feel like given the season is starting, this is something we wanted to get started and run out uh, with everybody as well. Another part of the offerings of InsideTexas.com uh, for you guys and to be in the know about the Longhorns. Uh, Blake, you take it from here. I'm going to let you ask uh, Eric a couple of questions. 
I want to make that announcement and get it going. Uh, but we'll, we'll keep talking Longhorn Sports each and every Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. All right. Well, guys, we got lots of uh, questions already from uh, listeners, watchers, whatever you want to say, that are rolling in. So I'm going to go ahead and just get to some of those. This first one from Kevin Johnson. He says, can Thompson and Catalan handle field safety responsibilities? They both seem like boundary safeties. Well, that might be an Inside Texas subscriber right there because I mentioned that in the uh, in the article. But, uh, yeah, both can. I mean, um, you know, when you, when you look at the difference between field and safety, the uh, at field and boundary, the boundary is going to play downhill in the run game. He's going to freelance a little bit more. The field safety is going to find himself in coverage quite a bit. You know, Jaron Thompson actually played nickel uh, quite a bit coming up. So that, that tells you that he, he does have coverage skills. Um, I do think they both profile better to boundary, but that doesn't mean that they that neither can't play, play a field. Um, Catalan's got tremendous range. He's got tr uh, tremendous instincts. He gets his eyes on the ball. He gets to, his, to the right spot. So he can play it. I think it's going to shake out with Thompson at field and uh, and Catalan at boundary, primarily because you do want to shore up the run there where you got Burke and, he, and you're breaking a new, new Will linebacker. If you've got Watts at corner and you've got Jalen Catalan at, um, at safety, that's almost like having two extra linebackers in run support. So I think it's going to shake out that way. Uh, but either can play uh, either position. Hey, Eric, I, the, the thing that I saw and have reported as well and get your feedback on this, Texas is rotating its safeties. Uh, Catalan and Thompson are both – they're flip-flopping at times yeah. between boundary and field. Yeah, they're doing that I, a I lot. don't know – I mean, let me ask you this. been covering this for 30 years, right? Do you remember a time where they rotated the starters between boundary and field – between free and strong – even back in the day, because no. that's that's really, really that that's that basically tells me these kids are both seniors or at least adults and experienced, right? Mm -hmm. To understand different aspects. Right. But that did also isn't that also odd because PK could come out with a different look and say they may that if they can be, play both safeties, it's not necessarily a tell of what Texas is gonna do on defense. I know it's just a little <laughs> bitty thing. But well, I that's got to give the, the opponents a little cause for concern. Well, I think, you know, when you have uh, moderate depth concerns, you're going to want to cross-train everybody uh, in, in both spots. And, of course, Jalen Catalan comes with pretty significant injury concerns. So I think they're trying to, you know, just trying to get everybody acclimated. But once they start game planning, I, I expect they'll go to more traditional field and boundary. Uh, but they're not they're, – they're just not there yet in, uh, in August camp. You know, they're still uh, – they're getting everybody up to speed. They're seeing where everybody's strengths and weaknesses are and, and still gauging and still filling out the depth chart, similar to what they're doing at running back. They're trying these guys in, in multiple different ways, seeing what they can do, seeing what they can't do, uh, and then they'll take it from there. As we get to uh, as we get towards the first game, they'll start game planning, and it'll funnel more towards uh, more ideal fits. So I think it's going to shake out with Jaron in the field and, uh, and, and Catalan on the boundary. That's what makes the most sense on paper, to me at least. Um, but, but they, it's good that they can play both. And, you know, you're going to have guys that come in with Taft. Taft might play next to Jaron. Jaron might go to boundary – or Jaron might go to field and, and Taft with a boundary. They, you know, they, you can flip-flop those guys quite a bit. So uh, I think it's just about figuring out depth. Sometimes you have to use uh, fewer pieces, uh, fewer players to, to accomplish having depth. Hey, Eric, I want to do one follow-up question. I know Blake's got a, got a question for you next. But uh, one follow-up question is, who's working behind those guys? Like, like specifically, who do you think the backup? is at field and uh, boundary safety right now. Because I've seen – when I was at practice, they were running four different guys in there at different times. Yeah. What, what are you hearing right now behind the scenes? Well, you got Taff. Taff is going to play uh, – you know, he could play boundary or field. Um, and you got Keaton Crawford who can play either one, uh, too. You know, ideally, you know, you want Keaton's speed 
uh, and, and, you know, he's a former corner. You kind of want that in coverage out at field. He could play either. Um, but th those would be your primary four. And then uh, B.J. Allen's still working there, and they, they love Derek Williams. It's just a very tough position mentally to play. Uh, but, we're, I, you know, they played Rice the first game. I guarantee you're going to see a whole lot of Michael Taft, a whole lot of Keaton Crawford, and you'll probably see Derek Williams and, and a, a good chunk of B.J. Allen. Of course, B.J. Allen has, uh, you know, really come on in the last four or five months. So, you know, depth is probably going to have to earn its way in, uh, in games. I don't know how, you know, we'll feel good about Taft. Taft actually played pretty good in the second half of last season. I expect to see him a whole lot versus Rice. Uh, but, you know, that, that game's going to afford them opportunity to, to build depth further out too. Uh, you know, those guys, they're just, you know, a lot of versatile guys. But, you know, once it all uh, gets down to it, I think you'll see Taff as the backup boundary um, to uh, to Catalan. And you'll see Crawford as the backup to Thompson in the field once everything shakes out. All right, Eric, we, you had a lot, quite a bit of defensive notes in your Humidor article um, from today. And uh, well, you know, my, the one the one jersey I have framed is Ronnie Lott. You know, I've always been kind of a defensive <laughs> guy by nature. So I think my bias towards defense showed a little bit in that update. I'll get more offense notes uh, coming up. Well, one name that wasn't mentioned on defense in that article was Bledsoe. And DJ Dog 31 says, I want to see Bledsoe on the field more. Been hearing about his athletic ability for two years now. What are you hearing on Bledsoe and his development as far as that goes? Well, that guy has tons of athletic ability, so sorry to disappoint. That's uh, You're probably going to hear more of that. Um, you know, I think they're going to keep him at defensive tackle. His body's trending in that direction. Uh, they're going to need him a whole lot in 2024. Um, you know, that's going to be the thing. So I think they wanted to give him his techniques down, his line stunts down uh, from his, the position he's going to play long term. Um, but really, I think they just want to put him in a spot where they can pin his ears back and let him play forward. Um, you know, Edge has a little bit more playing in reverse. Um, and, you know, I think it's just a longer, it's a longer, he's always been a longer curve player. Um, and he, right now he's got a roadblock, especially with Alfred Collins flashing so much. Uh, Vernon Broughton's having a good camp. Uh, you know, they have a lot of bodies ahead of them. So this year, I don't know what expe expectations should be. I do think that they could carve out a third down uh, pass rush uh, with Anthony Hill on the edge, uh, Dre Bledsoe lining up inside. Uh, maybe Bledsoe even at nose tackle in a in a third and long situation. I, I do think they'll get creative, and we will see him hit the field more. Uh, but I wouldn't expect a big breakout till 2024. But credit to him for sticking with the program. Um, he's continuing to develop. He's he's putting on weight. It hasn't come on exactly as fast as some people would hope. Uh, he's training in the right direction, maybe just not on the as steep of a trend line as people would like. Hey, I've got to say this, Eric. What about <laughs> – you mentioned Jure Bledsoe. What about – Alfred Collins, as I put my shades on, like Jerry did earlier. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, if there's a guy that has inside pass rush potential on this team, right? We, we would all agree with that. And, and based on what you're saying earlier today, you you're echoing what Jerry and I talked about. Lat over, I mean, I, I heard last Saturday it was literally Alfred Collins's best practice as a Longhorn. Now he's never been a bit a great practice guy. Yeah. So that that starts to show that consistency. You think that's part of the pass rush plans as well? I mean, I just feel like Texas's defense is, looks like it's shoring up a little bit, yeah. especially if if Collins comes on. You just don't know where they're going to come at you from. Well, you know, the closer you line him up to the ball, the closer he is to the quarterback. And being six five and with a with a very quick step, and he he has the ability to, to put a swim move on a guy. <clears throat> you know, he can get in the he can get in the backfield in a hurry. So, yeah, I I, th I, I think he's going to feature. Uh, prominently he's, he's got the best best pass rushing traits of defensive tackle without a doubt I mean you know there's when he when he does if, if he does if it does click and he goes to the NFL there's going to be a good chance teams play him in a three-man front at defensive end uh he's that athletic so you know that makes sense him lined up with Bledsoe Hill and then 
you know, maybe they put Burke on one side, Hill on the other uh, in, a, in a third and long. There's, there's a lot of things they can do. Um, that'll probably come later in the camp as they, as they continue to build out their scheme. Got it. Uh, well, speaking of Burke, this next question actually has to do with him, and it's from Russell Hinkle. He says, do you all think Ethan Burke may be even better than what is being seen in practice so far, I, considering he goes up against Banks and Cam Williams? Yeah, that's a zero-sum answer we just uh, talked about a, a few minutes ago. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, it's like having a sparring partner. You know, you watch watch any uh, uh, high-level boxer, you've got to be a really good sparring partner just to keep pace with them. Uh, and so if he can keep pace with those guys, th then you know he's going to uh, improve. Uh, we know he plays with physicality and motor. Um, you know, he's coming along. The, the, the coaches are high on him. Uh, we just don't know. He's just not anywhere close to a finished product. So we don't know. You know, he's going to be a lot better as a junior than he's going to be as a sophomore. I, I just don't know quite what to expect uh, uh, to start the season. I guarantee he's going to look very good against Rice. I have no idea what he's going to look against Alabama. Uh, guys, we've got Eric for about uh, two more minutes. He's got a hard out at, uh, at 830. He's got some work he's got to do for InsideTexas.com. Once again, Go to InsideTexas.com for a subscription. we got a promo right now. If you've never tried us before, it's $1 for one month. That means all the practice reports, all the recruiting updates, just $1. You're really not going to beat it. Uh, we're going to be taking questions after that uh, for the rest of the afternoon, or until uh, uh, 9 o'clock today. We'll come back again at 1 o'clock for a uh, our regular Friday afternoon uh, live stream as well. Ian Boyd will be joining Jerry Hamilton and myself. There's also a commitment at 115, uh, potential for the Longhorns that we're going to be talking about. That's a basketball player, Cameron Scott, one of the top 25 players in the country, potentially announcing for Texas today. Uh, Jerry's going to be on top of that. Uh, Eric, before I let you go, I want to ask you about this because this is a, kind of the question about where do we go from here in recruiting? <laughs> from R. Charnell, does Simmons help with Micah Hudson at all? Hudson was watching the commitment announcement yesterday. I doubt it, but talent is talent, and I read he watched the announcement. Does he help with Micah, Micah Hudson? Does he help with anybody, really, in the recruiting process? You know, the guy I would look to there is uh, Kobe Black is probably having the most profound impact. And, you know, Kobe Black's his own man. He's going to do what's in his best interest. But, you know, there, there aren't package deals, but there are ways to build consensus. And I think that it's pretty easy to build consensus between uh, Colin and Kobe. I think they already have consensus to some degree. Uh, they spent a whole lot of time together on their official visits. Uh, we've heard through the grapevine that it, that it does help getting Colin. Uh, you know, that kind of that ties into Micah Hudson a little bit in that really good players want to play with fellow really good players. Um, so it will help in that case. The most thing that the best thing that's going to help Texas is Micah just sticks to his late timeline. Let this let the uh, whole uh, season play out. Let 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 Micah Hudson see two things. The wide receivers being very productive and the wide receivers leaving. Uh, and he's going to see opportunity. And, and, you know, this could tie into Colin Simmons in that, you know, it, it comes a, if it becomes a head and heart thing, uh, what's the most pragmatic decision for him? Is he more comfortable in Lubbock, given this familiarity with some of the coaches there and the relationships he's built there? Or does he go with his head where, you know, I can take Xavier Worthy snaps really early and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the short, short, short bus to, uh, to the NFL. Like, or, you know, it's, it's not going to take him long to, to experience success. He's on the fast track, I should say. Um, and so, I, you know, the longer the longer it plays out for Hudson, the better it is for Texas. We've known that going into the summer. Right now, it sounds like he's going to take his time. Uh, Texas getting uh, more five stars and winning more games and, and putting the ball in the end zone via the receivers is going to be what gets Hudson uh, back in the fold for Texas if it's if it's to, if it's to be. All right, Eric. Well, I know you got to go soon, but I want to ask you a couple more questions about Colin Simmons. In, in your opinion, what makes him so special as a prospect? 
man, he can get to the um, he can get to the quarterback in so many different ways. Uh, he's got running back movement skills. He's extremely fluid. Um, he can bend uh, very well. Um, you know, he's aggressive. Uh, he's got a, a, a man man's mindset out there. He's a he's a grown man out there. Uh, he plays with motor. A lot of elite players <clears throat> don't always have that. Um, it's just his ability to get to the quarterback. He's got power, um, speed, uh, fluidity. Uh, he can he can run the arc exceptionally quick. He gets flat once he's past the, the left tackle. He's got he's already got a different uh, a number of different moves. Uh, to me, I've been comparing him to Will Anderson. And that always sounds lofty uh, because Will just went third in the NFL draft. But if you look at their high school profile, if you look at their mental makeup, their football character, if you look at how they move on the field, if you look at how they're built, uh, they're built. It looks, uh, you know, they're, they're almost carbon copies to me. And that's going to lead me to one more question for you. And it's actually a super chat from William Niche. Thank you, William. He says, is he a day one starter and over and under four and a half sacks his freshman year? <laughs> well, I'm going over on that. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. That could be dependent on a couple of different things. How does uh, Anthony Hill uh, affect, uh, factor into that? How big does Ethan Burke get? Does Ethan Burke go, go over to Jack? Um you know, what, what, what does Colton Vosick do? I don't know if he's a three-down starter uh, as a true freshman, but he's going to get more than four sacks, uh, and he's going to play quite a bit. I, You know, I, I think that what they're going to do eventually is um, they'll have a package with Hill on one side and Simmons on the other is what I, what I suspect. But, you know, I've kind of heard that in the past already. Um, but, yeah, he's going to get those sacks. I just don't know if he's going to be a day-one starter. Some of that comes down to how he's going to play the run. you got to play the run with good technique. Uh, when OU's running two guards at you or a guard and tackle at you at the same time, um, you can't just be an athlete. You can't just be strong and, and want to make the play. You've got to know how to play it with the proper technique. So I don't know if he's going to be a day one starter. He's going to be a day one impact player, though. Uh, Eric, appreciate your time today, bud. Uh, really do. Thanks for joining us again. Check Absolutely. out InsideTexas.com uh, for the very latest. That's Eric Nolene, publisher, Inside.com, uh, InsideTexas.com. Thanks, Eric. All right, buddy. See you. All Thanks, right, have a good one. All right, uh, Blake, you and I now for a little bit longer. Uh, we're going to talk a little Longhorn sports, recap uh, what happened yesterday, what's on tap for today, uh, and uh, let's let's get going. Let's get to some of these questions, take them as we can, uh, and uh, hopefully have a good morning here and, and uh, have a cup of coffee while we're talking a little Longhorn sports. All right. Well, our first question, Bobby, uh, is actually directed right at you, and it's from UT Boy. It has nothing to do with John T. Cook, so don't worry. He says, question for Bobby, do you believe this is on par with Corey Redding's commitment? Yes. Yeah, I do. I do because, look, I mean, Texas had had already gotten Chris Sims. I look the the reality of it is is Mac Brown had started recruiting some five stars like Steve Sarkeesian had, right? But he hadn't recruited the unquestionable uh, number one player in the state of Texas yet. When he got Corey Redding over every single other program in the country, okay, everybody offered Corey Redding that that recruited the city of Houston. I mean, period. Notre Dame, USC, Miami, I mean, everybody, okay? Colin Simmons is that type of big-name commitment, and the reason why is because everybody looked to him and said, okay, that is the number one player in the state, period, full stop. A year ago, there was no, hey, this guy has to be it, or the year before, while Anthony Hill was great, there were other players that were also in that category, yada, yada, yada. Nobody is questioning that, that uh, 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 Colin Simmons is the number one player in the state. And so for that reason, I would put that absolutely, UT boy, 
in that category. And and I look, uh, I wonder if he has a Corey Redding like effect. Um, you know, we talked about South Dallas and Jonte Cook, Manny Muhammad, uh, even Alex January's from Duncanville, all the way across I twenty in Arlington, uh, North Richland Hills. All of that stuff has been happening for a while now. My question is, Corey Redding's announcement spread through the rest of the state, right? Mm-hmm. This spread through the rest of the state, and what kind of impact does it not only have, and, and Jerry talks about this, uh, Blake, it's not just for this year, it's for the rest of, of next year as well. Definitely. Because people will know the number one player in the state of Texas went to Texas, and that will have an impact on next year's recruiting. Man, what just a whirlwind of a day <laughs> yesterday. It just it's just unbelievable. All the hype surrounding the the commitment. And then it finally happened. Texas fans are just on cloud nine this morning. There's no doubt about it. All right, Bobby. This super chat is from Antonio Harris. Thank you, Antonio. He says, 12 and 0. Don't <laughs> believe me? Watch Alabama's fan day. There's they're so discombobulated at quarterback. Great content, you guys. They are you guys are greatly appreciated. Hook them. All right. Uh, thanks, Antonio, uh, for that. That I want to say something at the end of this broadcast today to, to everyone about us appreciating you guys back. And, and I want to talk about that. I think Jerry Hamilton is going to try to come on with us again to talk a little bit about that. But uh, look, you're not wrong about Alabama having issues at quarterback. The one thing that, that I will say, and Jerry Hamilton talked to someone over there, it sounds to us, Blake, like Ty Simpson, a redshirt freshman, uh, is going to be the guy at quarterback for Alabama. It sounds like. I say that because he has a bad three-interception scrimmage. They'll go back to Jalen Milrow, who we've all seen, at least, be this power run guy. Ty Simpson's more of a thrower, more of a pro-style passer, has some escapability, but not really a, a runner. I, I called him, I, I was talking to Jerry about this. If you remember LSU, uh, and when Nick Saban won a, won a national championship there, he won it with Matt Mock as their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Not He's a former pro baseball player, somewhat agile, but not a runner. But he, yeah. could, he could hurt you with his feet to get a first down, right? That may be what Nick Saban's looking to go with this year at quarterback. So the reason I do think that's important is because the thing I would be most concerned with t- Texas going to Alabama – is Alabama lining up and running quarterback power. I just, they've got 700 pounds on the right side. If you add their tight end, they've got over a thousand pounds and they could actually flip flop that and go up against Ethan Burke. I'm just, you know, putting it out there. That's a lot. Uh, Now I'm not saying Texas can't scheme to take away the run, but when you do that, you start giving up other things. Uh, And uh, look, uh, 12 and 0, I don't know what Texas will, will do this year. I do know that uh, they have, they're going to have an offense that's to be reckoned with uh, and a, a good overall team. I mean, the more you look at it, the more talented Texas is than I think any team in the Big 12. They have to go out and prove it, though. That is the, uh, the ultimate. Well, speaking of uh, the Big 12, Bobby, this next question from Stephen Henderson says, do you think Quinn Ewers will be the best quarterback in the Big 12? Um, I think he will end up being the highest drafted 
of the starters this year. I do not know that he will necessarily be the best quarterback in the Big 12. Uh, I've mentioned Jalen Daniels a hundred times, the young man from Kansas. Um, He is not necessarily a prototype NFL prospect, but for college football, he may be the best quarterback, right? Um, uh, Because he he moves his team well. He's accurate. He's not not a great long ball thrower, but he's not horrible. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is pretty good when he's healthy. Uh, but Dylan Gabriel also has his own issues. Um, uh, Tyler Shuck has been good when he's healthy uh, at Texas Tech. Blake Shapin is coming off a, a sophomore campaign that, or a second-year campaign that d- just was not good. Hunter Deckers is embroiled right now at Iowa State in a betting controversy that <laughs> got four more players yesterday entangled. Yes. Yep. One, one of the things that came out of that, I want to say this, I'm, I don't want to, speak too much on this because the questions about Quinn Ewers, but that Iowa state thing yesterday, apparently one of the guys bet against Iowa state and mm-hmm. Texas in 2021. Wow. The famous Bo Davis rant game. I mean, so <laughs> I don't know that that guy was clearly not on the field very much when he bet because uh, if they, if he had anything to do with that, Ooh, um, my, my point being here on Quinn Ewers, I think he's going to have a productive year. I don't know if he will actually be the best QB in the Big 12. If he is, uh, Texas is likely headed for the uh, – I, I think they would be in, end up in the top five, six in the country. Because if he if he performs at that level, there's the other pieces of this puzzle are, are in place. Yeah. Sky's the limit for sure. Yeah. Other pieces of the puzzle are in place except quarterback. I firmly, firmly believe that. Well, uh, we, you know, obviously this week there was a couple of reports that came out about different players being banged up in practice. So let's get to some questions regarding that. Uh, Sharpshooter wants to know about Sadir Mitchell. And then Shy Frazier is asking if there's any updates on Worthy. I, I was told Worthy's completely fine. Uh, so, I, you know, precautionary could be anything. Uh, but he's I, that's what I was told. Steve Sarkeesian, by the way, is set to speak to the media at 11 a.m. today. We will have more on that at one o'clock. So if he mentioned he Xavier Worthy's health will be asked about. We'll see if uh, Sark mentions anything. Sadir Mitchell was back at practice. Uh, So given that, I I feel like uh, everything so far, we have not heard of anything where season ending issues. There's been a couple guys. We mentioned Judd A. Barron here. Lingering knee issue. He's back at it, though. Uh, they're they're going to assume he's fine. Uh, look, I don't know all the answers right now. Uh, Sark goes to the mic at 11. We should know more at that point. But uh, Texas fans, as of Wednesday, I was told we're healthy. So that that's that's all I can pass on at this point. Well, definitely good news there, for sure, if that's the case. All right, Bobby, this next one is from David Williams, who always has some good in-depth questions, and today is no different. He says, one continual question I have is what offensive and defensive players' evolution would be most beneficial to UT success? He personally thinks Ethan Burke slash Terrence Brooks on defense and Campbell on offense. I don't necessarily disagree on those picks, David. Um I would add Anthony Hill because I think he can be a disruptor. Um, 
this team needs negative plays. Need, the defense needs to create negative plays this year, Blake. Definitely. Um, and I, I've said it multiple times. Pete Kwiatkowski talks about improving four things. Getting sacks, getting turnovers, improvement on third and fourth down. So on defense, the two things that David is addressing right here with his two guys, Ethan Burke and Terrence Brooks, are exactly that. Pass rush, tighter coverage at corner. So David, David's got some intelligent th thoughts almost every day on here. Um, he's right in line with that. Anthony Hill, Alfred Collins, those guys could be the sack guys to go alongside Ethan Burke and uh, Baron Sorrell. So those would be the other ones, uh, David. I don't know who would be the most, which is what you're asking. As far as offense is concerned, I think Devin Campbell is certainly one. Um, I do believe uh, I would add to that group uh, Jonathan Brooks slash um, Cedric Baxter. Yeah. Uh, because I think Baxter is going to be a different player two months from now than he is in month one of the season. Guys like that, they get their sea legs a little bit and they either hit the wall or they break through it. Based on what I've seen and what I'm hearing, Cedric Baxter isn't a guy that's going to hit that wall in year one. That, that's not how they see him. Some guys do do hit it, and I'm not saying it can't happen to him. They don't, they don't view him that way right now. Doesn't mean he's going to come out of the gate with 10 carries in game one. But be aware of him. High expectations for the freshman, for sure. Well, let's Thanks talk about question, another David. Uh, Kevin Johnson says, are there any updates on Niblet and his transition from a Swiss Army knife to a pure wide receiver? You know, they they used to, he's still a little bit of a Swiss Army knife, to be fair. Uh, they were using him a little bit in punt return game. Uh, so... Uh, I think the thing that, to notice about uh, uh, Ryan Niblett right now, guys, is and I, and I can't specifically say the coach's expectation of this coming into the season or coming into him, uh, but our expectations were he didn't necessarily have good hands, or we we couldn't really tell if he had good hands in high school because. No offense to Aldine Eisenhower, but when Ryan Niblett wasn't playing quarterback, their quarterback was uh, not a great quarterback. He didn't throw the tightest spiral. He just threw it up for grabs a little bit. A lot of air under it. You, you, you get my point. Not a yeah. lot of true RPO stuff. Um, and so we we didn't know his hands. We we and that is a big deal when you make that transition, right? Well, through the first week and a half of practice. Um, that has not been an issue. So of all things I can tell you, that's like, I know DeAndre Moore, for example, dropped a couple of passes in the spring game. And DeAndre Moore is, I think he's, he's got tremendous hands. So long-term, you don't have to worry about that. I don't think you have to worry about Ryan Niblett's hands either. Uh, so we'll, we'll wait and see. I think that the arrow is still up on him as far as what they think he can be. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, let's switch over to the other side of the ball, Bobby. Uh, Todd Lacey says, on the defensive side, is there a player who is unheralded, who is a budding star and showing out, much like Ford did in 22? Um, we mentioned Burke. I, I just think that Baron Sorrell is that guy. Um, and I know it's hard to picture him in that way for one reason. 
and that's that he started all of last year, right? Had five and a half sacks. He's more of a known quantity maybe than what Jalen Ford was going into his junior season last year. Um, but look, I, I view him similarly. They're on the same track, right? Sorrell was mm-hmm. just forced into action earlier than yep. Ford was. This is this is Baron Sorrell's true junior year. So he is the guy uh, right now for them. And, and so that's, that's who I would say um, Terrence Brooks would be another one, uh, you know, but we, we've talked about him. Uh, the thing that people love about him and, and he does not, Terrence Brooks does not necessarily have first round speed. Okay. As a defensive back, but he has first round ability uh, because he's so smart, so quick to understand where a receiver's route is going. And he, he moves his body so fluidly. And I, I think that where he's taking a deep up another notch, and this is a good, another good sign for Tory Beckton in the strength and conditioning group, Blake, mm-hmm. is that he's built, he's rebuilt his body. I mean, you guys are not going to recognize some guys from a year ago. <laughs> Terrence Brooks was never a bad looking athlete, right? I mean, yeah. he, he's <laughs> look, these guys are, You'll notice the first time you see Terrence Brooks on field this year, the difference between today and the game against Washington. You'll see a guy that looks stronger. I'm not saying he's going to look like Ryan Watts, right? Where Ryan Watts could pass for a linebacker, but he's going to he's going to look better than what maybe you you guys realize. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. For sure. All right, Bobby. This next one is from Nathan. He says, who would Texas put on defense on third and long? Um, you know, I think they're going to rotate. Um, uh, but I don't know that you take – I think it's depending on third and seven or third and 15, first of all. Good point. So let's let's be clear. Third and 15, I think then you see somewhat of a – what do they call that? The cheetah package? Mm-hmm. where they don't even – no one even puts their hand on the ground, right? And they're just coming at you from 15 different angles. Uh, my thoughts on that is the best pass rushers, natural pass rushers, are going to be Ethan Burke and Anthony Hill, okay? I think you're going to want to keep uh, guys like Alfred Collins and or Baron Sorrell on the field, Jalen Ford in, and then maybe you bring a safety or, or a corner like Jade Barron on a blitz. I mean – I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what they do because, look, they kept Ovia Gufu in the majority of time on pass rush last year. Yeah. 
He can't rush the passer. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say he can't. He's not real good at it or hasn't been. That 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 dynamic is changing for Texas on third and long. You want Ethan Burke chasing the quarterback on third and long, not Ovia Gufu. You want right. Anthony Hill chasing the quarterback. Um, the the key guy that, that that I think Texas needs to account for for losing in that regard is not Keandre Coburn or even Moro Ojomo Blake. It's Demarvin Overshone. Um, yeah. you know he they liked bringing him late on blitzes. They didn't give him the go right off the bat a lot of times, uh, but they liked bringing him delayed. And he had such suddenness late to the ball that that could shock some people a little bit, right? And and so that was my thought on that. But I think that, Nathan, that's a good question because we don't know is is the the legitimate answer. We don't know because they have too many opportunities and too many pieces of the puzzle to try to fit. Well, I know we've talked cautiously about uh, Alfred Collins this morning. And this next question has to do with that from Michael White. He says, if Collins does play to his potential, how good can this defense really be? Look, they finished, I think, 11th in FEI last year, uh, which is an advanced stat that I'm learning more about uh, as we go along in this stuff. I, I've not, I have not been a huge analytics guy for football. Um, I have been for baseball, which is funny. I, I'm a big baseball fan uh, as well. But the advanced analytics in football are a little bit different in that they're team-oriented. Um, if Alfred Collins gives them a true number three, a defensive tackle, and can play the run and still pin his ears back and play the pass, uh, you know, Eric just just mentioned that I mean, he's not he's an NFL player. If that's the case, I mean, Texas has – they'll have Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, and Alfred Collins. I know Sweat and Murphy are going to play in the NFL. Barring injury, those two are playing in the NFL. They've proven it. They've done it. They're going to be there, okay? Add a guy like Baron Sorrell, who's a junior, and Collins – I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm a little worried about power run teams. And by power run teams, I'm not talking necessarily about Kansas State. I'm talking about guys that have 350 pound dudes like Alabama. I'm not worried about Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm just trying to be, I'm talking about upper echelon power run teams. Not that Oklahoma is not a good running team uh, with Jeff Levy and his offense. My point being, I'm worried about elite running teams on this defense and that I don't, I'm not worried about passing teams per se. I'm not, Yeah. I just think it's going to be a rare bird that catches Texas ill-equipped to handle them uh, in this. And that means every single offense in the Big 12. I, I think it's going to be rare for them to really get outfoxed and or outplayed or out-talented. I agree. All right, guys. Well, plenty of time to get more questions in. Please do so. Also, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. And, uh, Bobby, you mentioned Overshone a second ago. Uh, this next question is from Emmanuel Villafranco. And by the way, I don't know if you saw, but the Fort Worth Star-Telegram did a, a great piece on Overshone and what he's uh, doing with the Cowboys right now. So Texas fans need to go read that. But he says, Overshone is questionable shedding blocks and did improve. But is it safe to say that Hill is more comfortable handling contact? You know, this is the issue. Uh, DeMarvian Overshone played safety in high school, Blake. And yep. so he was always comfortable with contact from distance. <laughs> so does that make sense to you? So. Yeah, it does. 
Anthony Hill has always played closer to the line of scrimmage. So he's comfortable handling contact, period. Whether it's at running back, which he played, or linebacker, which he played. Um, so yes on that, and yes on shedding. I think the issue uh, with Hill is actually handling off-ball responsibilities in the college game. It's not going to be necessarily runs. It's going to be how does he how does he not think that split second of thinking can cost you dearly in college football, right? How does he adapt and adopt to what's going on in the passing game against other teams? If he pins his ears back, we saw in the spring game, he is probably the most most sudden pass rusher Texas has. So in that regard, we have no no issue thinking that he could rush the passer. The question is, does he is he still thinking too much at linebacker? Do you get him enough reps in every game to start taking some of that uh, concern away uh, as the season uh, progresses? For sure. All right, we're getting a lot of questions about this year's team versus other teams uh, in Longhorn history. So Jimmy S says. Bobby, how do you stack this team up against other Texas teams in recent years? And then I'm going to follow after you do the recent years, I'm going to follow that up with one other question, Bobby. Yeah, I I think that I I said it day one. um, It's the best looking Texas team I've seen since 08. I mean, and certain, I mean, the thing about the 08 team, Lamar Houston, Sergio Kendall, uh, they had guys up and down. I think it's a better-looking offensive line than 08. Um, uh, it's a, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you had Jordan Shipley and Quan Cosby, so you had two really good receivers. I don't know that Texas has that amount of reliability at wide receiver. Because those two were ultra reliable. Yes, without a doubt. Um, but I think Texas has more pop with the guys that they have now, for sure. Like they they just do. Uh, the big the big difference right now is at quarterback. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, if Quinn Ewers can be a distributor like Colt McCoy was, goodness gracious! I, yeah, watch out. We we, we <laughs> talked about this. Um, if 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 Colt McCoy were on this team, I, I don't I don't think I think Texas would be a favorite to win 12, 13 games. Um, you know, you can't it's hard to win them all and all that other stuff. But they, they they've got the dudes now. They've got the dudes. Jalen Catalan, if he's healthy, changes the complexion of the back end. Uh, you know, they, they just got some guys coming. That's all there is to it. And when you have guys. Things good, good things can happen. You might slip Without up here and there, but good things can happen. And a lot more depth than in recent years, too. <laughs> no yeah, no, that's, that. the, that's the point. I mean, <laughs> we were just talking about this. I mean, look, if Terrence Brooks goes down, Gavin Holmes is right there. He yep. started two years at wide receiver. If even Jalen Ford, you know, one of the most important pieces of the puzzle for Texas, he goes down. Jet Bush has played three years at Texas. And is a natural inside linebacker. Yeah. Um, I, I just, uh, I, I just look at it and think to myself, Blake, that that they have got to get into a scenario uh, where this is the 
the normal thing. I mean, because if they can do that, Katie bar the door, in my opinion. So, all right, here we go. A super chat from Dax Kelm. Thank you, Dax. And he says, in a parallel universe, how good is JT Sanders on defense at Texas? You know, I was never one of those guys that said he had to play anywhere, um, even with Texas's need at the opposite position. I think it's clear uh, that he is a better offensive player because he has more of an offensive mindset. So I think he could be an all-conference defensive end in, in a parallel universe. That doesn't mean he's a top five defensive end in the country, though, whereas I definitely think he's a top two or three tight end in the country. So more upside on offense because I think he, he cares about it more. And the one thing about him, I, I, I just think he has that, that, that idea Right, Blake, about mm -hmm. what he's trying to be on uh, on offense. All right, let's bring back in Jerry here. Uh, Jerry's back with us. We're not talking about Alfred Collins, so you don't have to put those uh, glasses on. Here. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, look, I do think Alfred's going to have a really good year. I, I'm going to go on record because um, he has to. I'll say that he has to to make to to have the life in football he wants he has to have a really good year and i can tell you this i mean i wasn't here for that conversation obviously but um there's some nfl draft guys i think he could be a second or third round pick if he really puts it together this year so it'll be interesting to follow well the first question we had today was actually for jerry i didn't get the chance to ask it earlier so i'm going to ask it now and it's a recruiting related question from ekm he says jerry does the duncanville pipeline stay open in 25 for texas with decorian moore and holiday yeah, well, they were both there yesterday. Uh, Javian and Holiday's mom was there yesterday. Um, she was sitting uh, in the uh, section with uh, some of the family members of uh, of um, uh, Colin Simmons. So she is she's friendly with the mom for sure. Um, I think DeCorian Moore. Look, I mean, he's very close to Jordan Johnson Rebel too. Um, they grew up playing youth sports together. Their moms are very good friends, Jordan Johnson Rebell and DeCorian Moore. So, yeah, this, this this definitely helps. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Now, on DeCorian Moore, look, that's Texas LSU, probably USC. Um, Texas had a lot to sell regardless there because of the offensive scheme um, and the quarterback room and the talent coming in. I can tell you DeCorian Moore talks to K.J. Lacey, so that they're starting to build that that rapport right there. But, yeah, I think it definitely helps. Look, every single Duncanville player was there yesterday watching. Uh, Colin Colin Simmons, very much like John Tay Cook, is kind of the vocal leader at the at his school and his football program. Um, and he's very popular with the other players. And, look, I, um, I, I said it uh, on Austin, Austin Radio that you know, one thing about Colin, he's coming from a winning program too. Those guys have a little different vibe to them, right? And now he's going to be – he's been on a state championship team with DeCorian Moore, uh, uh, one already, and JV on holiday. So these guys have a chance to build that bond. There's a different bond when you go out and win a state championship together. There really is. Uh, so I, I think um, I, I think Jeff Banks, the work that he's done and the Texas staff have done, uh, it, it, you're starting to see it. DeSoto and Duncanville – are two schools you have to be really strong in, in DFW. And they are right now. 
For sure. All right. Hey, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Bobby. Doug Dodson, we didn't get a question attached to your super chat. So if you'll put it in the chat, I'll make sure to ask it. All right. This next one has been kind of a hot topic. Um, well, right since Colin Simmons committed yesterday from Matthew Janak. How did our class ranking only go up from 18 to 17? Yeah, that's pretty easily explained. And I, I didn't know when it, the calculation was going to bump up. So prior to yesterday, they were calculating 15 prospects in a class ranking it on three. That moved to 16. Uh, more kids have committed. So as more kids commit nationally with all these classes, they bump that number up. It, it'll end up at 20 or 21. I believe 21 was the number last year. I have to go back and look. So it just happened to be if, if that number was still on 15, Texas were, probably would have moved up to 9, 10, or 11 in the class ranks. But because it, the m- number moved from 15 to 16, Texas specialist, the lowest-ranked player in the class, is still factoring into those class rankings. So the next Texas commitment they get, as long as the number stays at 16, if you replace a low three-star prospect with a four-star, high four-star level prospect, even a five-star level prospect, that class ranking is going to jump up considerably. And look, hey, that, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Texas, you know, if they went out a number of these recruitments coming down the stretch, they're going to be right there for a top five class. Hey, hey, Jerry, I want to say this. Uh, let's be clear. There's no no need for uh, conspiracy theories on here about this. That was predestined before we we didn't know it was predestined before we went to to air yesterday. But they they do this every so often. It wasn't something that was just against Texas. Blake, do you do we have time that that Jerry and I can say thank you to some folks? Yes, go ahead. Okay, um, Jerry, you and I helped start this a year and a half ago. These this on Texas football, we did it because we wanted a way to communicate with fans more directly. Uh, we both grew up listening to sports radio growing up, and uh, when we when we grew up, it was it, it was question and answer. It was really strong, not talking about. Uh, anything other than the sub- sports at hand. It wasn't talking about what's your favorite, you know, <laughs> trick. Sh- I, it was just it was just different. It wasn't yelling and screaming like you get with Skip Bayless and some of these guys. Um, and that's what we wanted to bring back a little bit. And, I, and hopefully people realize that that's what we're trying to do. We want to be about the subject that we talk about, which is Texas sports. Um, and thankfully it's caught on a little bit. Um, and I want to return and, and keep this thing going. Uh, Jerry and I both talk about it all the time. Yesterday, we had our largest day ever on, on Texas football. Uh, I, I'm, I haven't seen the numbers for Inside Texas, but I think largest day ever for Inside Texas as well, except for maybe a signing day at some point in time for them. But I want to I say this so that everybody understands. Um, we beat our nearest competition yesterday four to one in viewership. At one point in time, we had 4,600 Texas fans worldwide watching this and, and our competition, I think had 1100 or something. I don't want to go into beating anybody down or anything, but our, our goal is to say, we want to do keep doing that and doing it to the best of our ability. At the same time, Jerry and I talked about it last night. We're incredibly gracious and humbled that you guys have chosen us at a, at a certain level in the way we want to go about doing things. It means a lot to us because it's, it's a, uh, empowers our conviction to keep doing it and keep the focus on Texas sports as opposed to anything else. Uh, and that's what we're all here for. Jerry, you, you want to say anything about that? Yeah, for sure. I echo everything Bobby said. And look, this is one thing for Texas fans to 
I really think y'all helped push me. I mean, look, it's I left the house at 2 a.m. 2 well, 2:45 yesterday to drive to Duncanville. I knew it was the first day of school. I had to get up there. I wanted to get the lay of the land. I wanted to see the kids walk around. I wanted to see what they were talking about. I wanted to see if Colin Simmons was going to walk in before school. All those things, when you get and you travel and you get in your car and you really go do these things, man, it, it's, it's yes, I love what I do. I wouldn't be doing this 22 years if I didn't. Um, but you guys pushed me. Having those com- Knowing that you guys are following what we're doing and we can have conversations about that on this on Texas football. So much fun to us um, that that y'all know. Look, y'all push me, push Bobby every day, push Blake. We all do this, but you know when you get in your car and you travel, like that's a long day at Duncanville yesterday. But it was awesome to bring it to you guys. I did not know this is why you go do these things in person, as Bobby would say. He's been the games for a long time to go see these top prospects. I did not know we were going to get two live interviews with Colin Simmons yesterday. But that's why you go cover these kids and meet them. And then you go to their commitment ceremony and you actually are out doing the work because those kids then say, Hey, this I've seen your Colin came on, on Texas football. He knew what it was guys. That one is his first time seeing it. He jumped in with Bobby and I, because he knew what it was. But I think for all you got Texas fans, y'all, y'all help push us to do all this. And I think it's so much fun that we have another avenue to have conversation with you guys. The only bad thing is you'll have to look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Blake, Blake, that's so well said, Jerry. Thank you so much. Blake, do us a favor and and ask us a few more questions. And uh, that'll about do it uh, for, for, uh, to reiterate, we're going to be doing this daily, uh, Monday through Friday, eight to nine. We're going to be doing what we call on Texas football today. Uh, We're going to do it through football season and see where it goes. Uh, But I think that there's enough news during football season uh, that it's a good way to get you guys up and going uh, and directed about what's going on that day. We can answer some questions. If there's things that are breaking news, we can actually break in with news, uh, you know, and uh, another aspect of Inside Texas that we're trying to bring you guys news uh, in a different way. Uh, Jerry, I want to say it for me personally. Thank you. And from Texas fans, thank you for the work you've done. Clearly, uh, when it comes to recruiting, no one works harder. And that's a that's a a real live. Uh, that's that's a thank you. Uh, Blake, go ahead, buddy. You take all it. All right. Here. And real quick, I want to give a thank you to uh, Bomb City Blue Jay for the super chat. He said, could literally watch y'all all day long. We're grateful for y'all. So thank you, Bomb City. We appreciate it. All right, this is another question I've seen asked quite a bit, Jerry. Uh, any chance the Simmons commitment can help flip Gibson from Clemson from Russell Hinkle? You know, tough one because Corian, he loves Clemson. I mean, that was the offer he always wanted. Um, great relationship with the Texas staff, obviously. Uh, but he made a pretty independent decision there. There, there haven't been many guys from Dallas-Fort Worth that have gone to Clemson. I mean, Bobby, I think we can definitely count that on one hand over the years, right? So he Wasn't made a decision. There's a tight end that went there a long time ago. Uh, right. Shark or something like that. Yeah. And then the tight, the wide receiver from Rockwall last year, right? But um, he Brian made a, Westco this year. Brian yeah, Westco this year. This year. He, he made a truly independent decision. Uh, those decisions are a little tougher to flip, right? It's That's not one where the family was like, all right, we're, we're, you know, Let's we we think Clemson's absolutely the best place here, right? That's where Corian wanted to go to school. 
that's going to take uh, that's going to take a lot of uh, that would be a different flip for me. Will Texas stay in contact with Corian Gibson? Absolutely. The one thing you guys know from listening to Bobby and myself and Inside Texas last couple of years is Sark doesn't back off these guys. They recruit through the whistle. They stay on their top targets. They're their top targets for a reason. Uh, so they they will stay in communication with Corian. I do think that's a little bit of a tougher flip for Texas, but we'll see what happens. You never know. Uh, we got another super chat here. BR Longhorn. This channel brought me over from another site. You are more knowledgeable and friendly. So thank you, BR Longhorn. We appreciate the kind words. All right, guys. This is a uh, interesting question here from Ma Texas, and he says more eventual round one through three draft picks: wide receiver room or offensive line room? Oh, that's a good question, Jerry. <laughs> uh. Uh, well, go I go, line. I go offensive line. I go offensive line because you know there's they have. Great, there's greater numbers there. There's right. greater numbers there. I think right. is the bigger issue. Um, but I mean, look, I think there may be three or four in the the wide receiver room. So, take that for what you want. I mean, I, Ad Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, I think are are in that category, guys. I'm just telling you, add in Isaiah Nayor, just because if he has any kind of year and shows any kind of lateral ability, there's not 10 receivers in the, I mean, what, 20 receivers in the first three rounds, Jerry? Is that right? 15, something like that? Yeah. I don't know the exact number anymore. But Isaiah Nayor is going to be one of the top 15 prospects as a receiver. He's just too big. I mean, he could look like A.J. Brown. I'm just telling you, he's got that kind of, Huge, huge body. Um, I don't know these. The football player AJ Brown is. That's a different story, but that, that it's just uh, pretty amazing. I would go yeah, with OL. O- I will go with OL too. I know they have one bona fide top ten potential pick in in Kelvin Banks, and that I think you look at out. We talk about some of these guys and their potential, right? It's it's potential. Cam Williams' potential is extremely high. Right, DJ Campbell's very high. I mean, Neto. I mean, they got some guys now that if they put it all together, that that class could be historic for Texas in a in a lot of ways. That 2022 class on the offensive line. Uh, by the way, we have a question, Clifton Hines. I'm not sure y'all may have addressed Dominic McKinley. Not yet. Um, I was actually asking you that next. Does it hurt help? It definitely, I think it helps a little, but here's the thing. I think Dominic's a different recruitment. Um, he's a different kid. He's not really a social media kid as much as others. I don't think he's really one that's in as many group text chats as others. It doesn't mean he doesn't partake, but he's just different in the recruiting process. I think he will make an, more of an independent decision um, about his future football academics with him and his family. But I don't think it, it it hurts at all. Obviously, it helps. But well, I'll tell you what it does, though, guys. Colin Simmons committing to Texas puts even more pressure on LSU. At Acadiana. Yes. In Lafayette. <laughs> the last thing LSU wants is Colin Simmons and Dominic McKinley and Wardell Mack to all commit to Texas within a month of each other. Man, talk about momentum there. All right, guys, we're going to do about two <laughs> more questions. Oh, go ahead. But I'll, say this, I'll say this to McKinley. LSU's not the pick right now, so things would have to change. I mean, that would have that would be a big come from behind. But again, 
McKinley's recruitment will go through December because he's in the state of Louisiana, even if he commits to Texas or Oklahoma or really pulls one, uh, pulls a card and goes to Ohio State, which I just don't – I think Dominic likes Ohio State, but I just don't know. If I, I think that's too far away from him, for him. All right, we'll go two more questions, guys. And uh, this first one from Matthew Janak. He says, what freshman do you think could benefit from a redshirt year? I think that's a great question, Bobby. I'm, I'm going to start with one off the top of my head that physically looks like he's ready to go. But since he, since he wasn't an early enrollee, I think a redshirt year is best, and that's Samaj Burrell. I think at that linebacker position, even though there's opportunities there, if you're not an early enrollee, that's really uh, that really puts you a little bit behind the eight ball at, at that position, especially considering Anthony Hill, Leona LaFowle were early enrollees. That's one. I think another one maybe is Ryan Niblett, Bobby. I mean, look, he's getting some praise. Like Quinn Ewers spoke about Ryan Niblett twice yesterday, mentioned him in the post-practice press conference, but not being an early enrollee, just now concentrating on wide receiver for the first time probably benefits a year to really develop. Yeah, I, I would say that, and I would say every offensive lineman. Yeah. I mean, every offensive lineman, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, beyond that, I don't think, I don't think that, that there's another guy, maybe Trey Wisner, if he's going to rotate and be in that role of, uh, is he a Savion Red type? for them that's a, more of a pass catcher out of the backfield but can still run it you know i don't know but i don't i don't the issue with with niblet and wisner jerry you just don't you don't redshirt skill position guys very often anymore right right, right. and so that that would be interesting that's a good question matthew yeah it's a good question uh, i'm not going to count this one as the last question even though i said two more but just real quick a super chat from antonio harris he says you think <laughs> collins on the phone recruiting Jerry, Look, I can you tell you that you know him better than anybody. Look, I can tell you this. I, I don't know if he's recruiting this morning. Hopefully he's in school. But um, <laughs> I, I can tell you this. He can recruit from his own school is, is one of the best well, things. That's the thing. There's, there's that's guys the thing. there. <laughs> that's the thing. Hey, Bobby, guys, when he was doing that interview with us yesterday, the second lot on the live stream, which I haven't gone back and watched it, they need to watch the whole live stream. He, I've never seen a kid's phone blow up like that. And I've sat next to a lot of recruits, okay, just interviewing him. I mean, he could literally, y'all saw it, he couldn't get off his phone. It was blowing up. It was amazing how many texts, just notifications, everything he was getting. I think Colin's always recruiting. I think that's the answer. Uh, Colin's always recruiting. Um, hopefully, yeah, he, he's sitting in a school desk, the old school desk right now. I'm sure he's on social media uh, texting with some guys right now. But, yeah, he's – He's going to recruit because, you know what, with Colin, it means something. You know? He's not just a guy that just commits and he's going to Texas to ball. Um, he, he wants to be part of something special. Hey, just real quick, we have a, a note here from Mr. Weisner, and he says, trades up to 195. He's looking good. How you doing, Derek? Oh. Hey, 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 Derek. Hey, Derek, you need to respond with what was he – when he reported to Texas, what was his weight? How much has he gained? I would think that'd be great for Texas fans to hear about what uh, Tory Beckman and that staff did with guys like Trey, who have more of a wiry, strong build. Uh, so, Derek, what was he when and, he and showed up? Hey, Jerry, and who are mid weren't midtermers? 
That's right. Mm-hmm. That's you right. Know, so how big and how quickly? That's a good question. Because it's a little bit different. 180. He just answered 180, so he's up to 195. Thank you, yeah, Derek. So That's awesome. Man. All right, guys. This is going to be the last question. And uh, this one from Colin Ostrike. And he says, do you think with some of the draft-eligible players that we have this season, do you think with Texas going to the SEC next year, that could be a pull to some of these players to stay one more year? I, I, I want to take this. Go ahead, Bobby. You can, you can come back over the top of me afterwards. Uh, the, the thought process was, I think, Jordan Whittington and Jalen Ford seriously considered leaving for the NFL this year. They – they got enough of a taste of winning that they wanted to come back. Okay. I don't know if I don't know about some of these, like Byron Murphy, maybe, maybe not. You know, I I, I just don't know if these guys are similarly situated. Uh, and if the SEC is that big a pull in that way, uh, I think it's more about them getting over the top as winners and leaving on a good note. You you win the Big Twelve, you're leaving on a good note. Jerry, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I always come, here's where I always come out um, on these guys is football's a, it's a violent game. If you have a chance to go change your life and your family's life through football, you got to do it with the right timing. I mean, look if if Quinn if Quinn Ewers plays uh, to the level to be a first round pick, he needs to go. Um, Bijan Robinson, like we were talking about that last year, that guy needed to go pro. I mean, if you're that left, you're first, second round guy. I mean, look, I, I, I can appreciate the college experience. I mean, obviously we've heard guys like Ricky Wills talk about, we've even heard Vince Young talk about it post NFL career. Some a little bit that maybe he wishes he would have stayed, but if you have a chance to change the, your life, your family's life, I mean, man, Go, go pro. Sarkeesian, they're recruiting great players. Um, so my answer, uh, my answer to that on the surface is no, because here's the thing that you got to understand about these programs. Derek Weisner's talking about Trey Weisner's gained 15 pounds. I mean, we got talented guys coming through this program right now. There's going to be multiple draft picks every year. Part of what makes Nick Saban and on the the run he had was guys went in there and they got out of there and were draft picks. So staying the extra year sometimes isn't really part of this whole process on on the bigger picture level. Is it that can fair? be helpful. Will Anderson stayed an extra year, right, Jerry? Right. It can be helpful. It can be. It can be helpful. Hey, by the way, by the way, I, I don't know if I should say this, but okay, the Collins <laughs> commitment ceremony yesterday. You know what was funny to me about this stuff is, and when he put out the three jerseys, the baseball jerseys, guys, that he was going to put on one of those after he committed, only one was going to fit him. <laughs> I thought that. Was- <laughs> hey, so so what do you, this what do you mean we- by that? What do you what do you mean by that? This is this is why we go to these things, and this is why all years and experience we do this. When he pulled out the three baseball jerseys yesterday and they were all in front of him when he was going to commit well before he committed, I just walked by. The LSU one was a large, 6'3", 230, and fitting in large. No. Miami was XL and Texas was double X. And I was like, well, I, I thought I knew, but the only one of those was going to fit in. 
That's the fun part about our job, Bobby. <laughs> He's just a regular old detective, Jerry. You nailed it. <laughs> All right, <Hey>. guys. <laughs> well, hey, don't forget Sark's Presser at 11 o'clock. Um, then, of course, y'all had the live stream coming up at 1 where y'all would be talking about what Coach Sark had to say. And then, of course, the top 25 commitment from Cam Scott is at 115. Y'all will be covering that as well. Yeah. And so it could be a possible big-time get there for the Texas basketball program if it falls their way. Um, but other than that, we need to thank our Super Chats, Antonio Harris, William Niche, Doug Dotson, Dax Kelm, Bomb City Blue Jay, BR Longhorn, and last but not least, Antonio Harris. Don't forget, guys, hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. We appreciate all the support. And then head on over to InsideTexas.com for the latest and greatest of Longhorn news and recruiting and a lot more. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see you back at 1. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton and Eric Nolene, I'm Blake Monroe. That was awesome.